Hi guys, welcome back to Casting Commons, the show where we talk and discuss everything pauper. I'm your host, Taysdale, and this is my co-host, the peanut butter cup himself, Reese. Hi. So, Paul, what have you been up to this week? Um, some bits and pieces in different formats, to be honest. Um, Blasphemy. Bogles in paper for Pauper um, and built it up on Modo because um, I was missing like 0.037 ticks worth of cards <laughs> which was like 16 cards <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've built those up I've played a few um, tournament practices um, but I'm going to give that a run through a couple of leagues hopefully this week um, tried Pioneer at FNM that Definitely wasn't the format for me. Like it, it didn't feel very fun at all. I just basically got comboed out constantly. Um, and then I'm, I'm supposed to be testing for legacy, but I've done zero testing. So I'm either going to yolo it or just not play. <laughs> I haven't I quite decided yet. I see. I see. Since since all the uh, modern horizon stuff, it just hasn't felt very fun. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a similar position with any other non pauper format. Is it just <laughs> feels. Not too exciting for me. What have you been doing? Uh, everything pauper, really. I, I think I finally got my groove sorted. I think I, I can finally balance everything to do with writing, editing, and recording. So Good. that seems to be somewhat less chaotic. Um, my main thing is I, I revisited uh, Jeskai Affinity, a deck that I was messing about with before March of the Machine, probably before Brothers War as well. And it was essentially just like a, a Mardu synth deck, uh, Mardu synth combined with Affinity. So you lost the black out of both, but then from Grixis Affinity side, you effectively gained like an experimental synthesizer and Core Sky Fishery Draw Engine. And the from the Mardu synth side, you gained Kenku, which was a big one. And it, it's been performing, to be honest. I've had quite a bit of success with it. The uh, Core Sky Fisher Experimental Synthesizer engine is just still pretty good. Definitely underexplored. In I imagine being able to back up the synth engine with like Thoughtcast and Murder Enforcers as well is probably pretty good. Yeah, it, it's definitely proved pretty successful. The big issue, the only issue I'm finding is sometimes is that there's no way to rebuy the Enforcers. That's my. It's it's pretty awkward to to find that. Like that, you you could probably add like something like an Omen of the Dead with like uh, Navigator's Compass and stuff. You could probably cast a few of them a couple of times, which might be okay. But yeah, I also played mm -hmm. Monstertron. That I finally cool. ticked that off the list. That was fun. It was definitely a blast. I wouldn't probably play it regularly, <laughs> but it was definitely a blast. Yeah, it's a cool deck. Anyways. Onto the stuff that everyone is definitely here for, and it is what happened in this wild weekend of the challenges. But there is also a bonus challenge, I guess. There is the Saturday Showcase Challenge, which, for those that don't know, it's a road to the Pro Tour and also the Magic Online Championships, which showcases are every month, I believe. They are Modern Legacy and Pioneer, and then there's a fourth showcase, which rotates um, between Pauper, Vintage, and Standard. And then this month, we had Pauper. So anyone with enough qualifier points can basically join the Pauper Showcase. And obviously that used to replace a challenge, but 
for some reason now just hasn't replaced the challenge. I yeah. don't know if that that's an old change or not. I'm not sure, but no, we, we have sure. essentially three challenges to talk yes, about. Exactly. So we'll look at the Saturday challenge first, the non-showcase. I guess is yeah. probably the best way to describe it, and we'll just fly through the top eight as we usually do. So like the first place was Fear, realistically, and second was Ponza, which I'm all, I'm all for, and third is Heroic White Mono White Heroic. Uh, then we've got Ponza. Then we have a Four Color Gates or a Gate Soup, as people like to call it nowadays. Uh, Blue Black Terror, um, Affinity, and then Familiars. With a couple just missing out being uh, is that all Boros Gates yeah. and another fa- another copy of Fams. So it, it, it's quite a cool looking topic to be fair. That yeah. the, the double ponds is very unexpected, especially second place. Yeah, is uh, is a pretty amazing result for Ponza. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously a few week ago we seen that it had picked up a bit and then it sort of died off. Yeah. Um, obviously for this challenge it was back. I was a week behind my prediction. I was yeah. a week behind. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, quite a mixed top eight. No mono red, um, which is interesting. And, and no bogles as well, but you do have that um, heroic. Bogles is only um, sister. Yeah, yeah, sort of bogles, sort <laughs> of not. Um, but yeah, the, the affinity list was a bit more normalised as well than we seen last week. Mm-hmm. Um, there was less sort of sideboard tech cards as you might expect um put down on the near hell spell bombs in the main no breath weapons in the main um so it had frog knights back in um but in general affinity for that challenge i think there was only two copies in the top 32 and one was that that one in the top eight which yeah very low for affinity definitely low um you obviously you you usually see standard of four or so people at least piloting mm-hmm. and most of the time they do the they do top 32 but not this not this challenge uh, uh, mono, mono red as well obviously so in a similar situation very low n- none in the top eight um i think the closest was 22nd Jesus. um so yeah it was very far down with only three copies in the top 32 um mm-hmm. and three copies that were all very like different lists um one was the sort of pinger burn that we spoke about last week yeah well and probably the f- few weeks before that as well mm-hmm. um and then the other two one had forge chanter in um and one had forge chanter and burn and profit in so they're more of a, like a prowessy spell slinger take i'm assuming all copy all of them ran was it eight Friends resolve, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, and no cold offers in yeah. any of them. But yeah, a, a, another slant on mono red. Obviously, I didn't do too great, but it's there. <laughs> good, well, good enough for top thirty-two, but obviously. Yeah, yeah. I guess my thought is probably Ford Chanter may have carried that potentially. I would mm. say as it's kind of got pseudo like hexproof or at least some form of protection. Like and it costs them, especially with if, if you look into this uh, top eight or top thirty-two, how many uh, uh, blue elemental blasts they are in the sideboards. Yeah. It seems like it's definitely helped being Forge Chanter 
I guess, which is maybe the reason for the the move towards a prowessy build, as opposed to like the burn and treacle daughter or the uh, pinger burn, as we. Yeah, I guess versing the the um, cage breaker at least it costs them two life if you get it down to remove yeah. it rather than nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, interesting, interesting tweaks on mono red. Yeah, it was it was definitely even like low represented as well because there's only mm. it was only I believe about ten percent on this one. Um, but there was like five pilots in the mm. the entire event, which is obviously really really low for mono red. We had thirty percent last Saturday. Yeah, and it's now gone down to five people playing it, which is a bit odd. Yeah, I'm I'm not even sure why. I I don't know if it's yeah I, I actually don't don't know why i don't know if it's because the lists haven't solidified and people just don't have the confidence on it or mm. or it's because the amount of mono blue fear that there is at the moment and blue black terror there's so many hydroblasts and blue elemental blasts in in basically every deck not even in those in affinity sideboards in mm. like gate sideboards and um, maybe people just don't want to fight through those yeah i, I think you could i think Speaking about last week or touching on it a bit last week, I, I felt like you definitely it's either gonna go one way or the other. I think mm. is probably it with the red with the red decks. Either either everyone's gonna accept that it's the best deck and just gonna play it, or everyone's gonna go to something else that is yeah. really good against the red decks. And more time, unless it's something ridiculously strong. I feel like a lot of people get sick of playing Red and Affinity that much that they'd rather play something that's got a reasonable matchup. As we've seen over yeah. the past few years, that they at least try to... Like when Black-White uh, Ephemera took a big uptick, um, not so long ago when Kuldotha was really big and Affinity was really big, because it had a great Affinity matchup in terms of it had sideboard dust to dust, and it also <laughs> gained, it gained a lot of life with its tap lands and its low missionaries and its Ephemerates. So... I guess it's probably something along them lines. People just don't like to fold and play red and affinity because we've everyone's played them for probably the last three to five years, roughly. Yeah, I can I can see that. Um, and the only other thing I've got on this is obviously there was no no bogles in the top ten, um, but there was two copies eleventh and twelfth, so it only just missed. Mm. Um, bogles just yeah. Super low pilots as usual, but super consistent results. Always getting like really well into the into the top sixteen, if not the top eight. Yeah, uh, that's definitely. Um, I think I've kind of touched. It's kind of the similar vein of what obviously we've got to talk about in the showcase challenge, which is which we'll probably touch on later. My thoughts on why I think Bogles and also Terror, which are I don't want to say the same, but they have similar pros and similar cons. I, I would say. Mm. To the point where that I'd, I'll just touch on it there, but it's definitely a, a good contender at the moment. Well, if we uh, if we jump onto the showcase now, then if you've got nothing else for the no, for the no challenge, nothing at all. Um, a bit more of a, a a bit less of a very top eight, I suppose. Mm. Um, first and second was two Bogles decks. <laughs> um, third and fourth were Green Black Gardens and Mono Blue Fear. And then fifth through eighth was three Teradex, all blue black, and yeah. a and a Flickertron. Yeah. Um and then the two near misses were another Gardens deck. Um and another terror blue black terror deck. But I believe the ninth place was the Gardens deck that won last week, right? The one that wins visionary. 
Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Whereas the yeah the um, <clears throat> top four one didn't have visionary. Yeah, it was more like a traditional list. As traditional as you can get with gardens. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, obviously a, a dramatically different top eight from the Saturday. Yeah. Um, with absolute ton of terror <clears throat> and. Overall, Terra was just really heavily represented in the showcase. Yeah. Um, way more than you would have expected. Um, and I don't know if that's because of what you touched on earlier before we started recording, which is um, people sort of gather information for the showcase and try and predict what people will be on. Mm. Um, so it might have been that those predictions yielded that Blue Black Terror was maybe well positioned to do well. Yeah. Um and prompted a lot of people to play it. Yeah, potentially. I can definitely see that. Um it could also be the the maybe I don't know, maybe well, you don't even have time to look at the Saturday challenge, so it, mm-hmm. I th- it's a deck that it is a deck that basically its own worst enemy and that's all it's kind of you know, it's it's its biggest problem is itself, depending on how draw like it's very draw dependent. Um it can obviously just absolutely ruin itself by its flips, it can ruin itself by its all sorts of like the deck variants, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. when it does reasonably well, it definitely just gives you your it can give your opponent sometimes just a small window to answer and it's like if obviously there's only at this point you need X card and they can't play around the spell pace or whatever, sometimes that's just game or card spell or mm. whatever. It's definitely a, it, it, and I think that's kind of what I was meaning by with the Bogles. They're both very similar. They, they, they are their own worst enemy. They mulligan themselves to yeah. death sometimes. They, all that sort of stuff. And sometimes, uh, right time chainers can lose them the game, but also, it can also like win them the game because they've now only got three draw steps to eight cards to find a, a chainers yeah. or whatever. If you know what I mean, gives them the smallest window to find the answer. I find that. Both decks have sort of weird mana base issues as well. Yeah. For just being two colour decks. Yeah. Where blue black terror's like so laden down with tapped lands. And then Bogles obviously runs hardly any tapped lands, but it sort of sometimes struggles to get its second colour on, on yeah. the go. Yeah. Um which these these Bogles decks that um came first and second had both had a one off cave of temptation mm-hmm. along with a couple of um Ash Barons to fix the the basic planes, basic forest mana base, mm-hmm. um, which seems like an interesting one. I imagine it's fairly easy to crack once you have sort of a utopia sprawl down as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have to play the Ash Barons, you can play the Cave later to get some at least coloured mana off that, I guess. Um, and yeah, late game, the counters aren't nothing. It's an interesting add. Yeah, it's... Um... It has. It's kind of been in and out of Bogus for quite a while since it's. It, it is usually. I've never seen it more than the one of, um, but I have definitely been killed by plus one plus one counters from my caves before. <laughs> that is for sure. But Bogus mana bases. I think to be fair, it's like that's the biggest innovation for the deck nowadays. Is literally just the mana base. Like it's. Are you running your, your uh, type jewels? Are you running your thriving gates like your thriving lands or whatever or are you running untapped lands and it's all ash barons and cave attemptations yeah. or what have you so it's definitely still an unknown for the deck and i think um something like slivers also kind of suffers from that as well it must be yeah. just these two two color aggressive decks just struggle to find themselves with the mana base 
another notable uh, absence was Affinity. There was no Affinity in the top 10. There was no Affinity in the top 32 at all. Um, which is, yeah, very unexpected for, for an event of this calibre. Yeah, definitely. Um, unfortunately, obviously, we don't really have like the percentages of like deck submissions and stuff. So it'd be really interesting to see how many people when they when we do when people do get access to them, how many people actually piloted if any, compared to obviously how many yeah did miss on the top thirty two yeah. yeah yeah but based on how many blue black terror teams I can't imagine there's many affinity anyways they're just there. Yeah. everyone was busy on the terror terror plan uh, and then another similar in that vein mono red nowhere near the top ten once again um I think the first was 21st place um, and again there wasn't a huge amount there was a couple of they called off a BTE lists mm-hmm. um, and then a couple of the sort of more expected cage breaker lists and then a couple of these forged chant burn lists mm-hmm. um, but yeah nowhere, nowhere near the top not not even near the top 16 really um, so poor Sean for, for Mono Red once again two, two bad challenges in a row yeah, it's interesting because I I didn't I don't really know the exact time difference on these like if one's in the morning and one's in the afternoon or if they're in parallel or, or whatever, but you would at least think that some high representation like if they're not in the challenge there's maybe a high representation in the showcase for whatever yeah but there just isn't um I, again I don't know if there was more in the the top sixty four mm. um but I imagine the sheer amount of hydros and. Blue Elemental Blast with all the terror and faith um, knocking about probably kept the Mono Red down quite a lot. Yeah. Because um, all the decks are just stacked with Blue Elemental Blast at the moment. Um, other than Gardens. Other than Gardens. It's a nice change. I think, though, as well, I do think that the... I think I'm touching on this on the Sunday, I believe. Yeah. Mm. But it's basically it's just that gardens and like black base mid-range decks have done well over the weekend overall i would say yeah and i do just think they're just really well positioned like the life gain along with chainers is pretty solid against the like pinger burn which i would say arguably is the most common burn of the red deck at the moment yeah yeah definitely um and ren's resolve and reckless impulse just feel so bad uh, well, not bad is probably not the best word, but the film a lot more underwhelming when you aren't chaining them with without a pinger. Without a pinger, yeah. they're just they're definitely a lot worse. You're just kind of doing stuff, if that makes sense. So yeah. like lining it up with chainers off on their uh, the Kessig Flame Breather or the Thermal Alchemist or what have you, it's just so much better than than it has been previously. And then follow up with obviously the life gain the white decks got or the life gain the red decks got uh, the the green black decks got. Yeah, I suppose something like Gardens as well can just compete with that card advantage with yeah. all the deadly disputes and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, So you can just maintain the being ahead. Yeah. Also, both both black-based mid-range decks, the black-white ephemera and also Gardens, both finish usually with a Vengeance Hunter or an Initiative, which yeah. is also another, another thing which that's is- really now harder for the red deck to take now it's yeah. sort of skewed away from cold off maybe. yeah yeah um yeah yeah it's in- interesting i definitely think they are pretty well positioned at the moment yeah so yeah two 
challenges one after the other and both drastically different results. Mm. Um, do you want to move on to the Sunday? Have you got anything else to add on the showcase? No, it's just obviously just highlighting that obviously they are different results, but they are fairly similar in the sense that they are, as we've already touched on, absent of basically fitting we've got what, one in Saturdays and then zero in the showcase and then yeah. no red anywhere. It just, yeah. I think people have just chose to not not lay down. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, let's move on to Sunday with, again, I would still say another drastically different result. We have yeah. first and second, we had Affinity and Mono Blue Fair. And third and fourth were both Black White Ephemerate decks. Um, and five through eight, we had a Bogles, an Affinity, another Mono Blue Fair, and a Flickertron. And a couple of misses, which ninth and tenth, we had Band Gates and just a normal white weaning or white aggro. So. Yeah, a- another good showing from Bogles. Obviously, missed out on the uh, the first Saturday challenge, but multiple top eights in, uh, in the showcase and another top eight here. Um, yeah, I, I think at, at this point, obviously, the, the representation isn't there, but I, I just think Bogles is probably a tier one deck now. Bold. Like, the, the just consistency of the results is, <laughs> is better than basically anything that isn't sort of mono blue fair. Hmm. Like, you look back every week, it's either top eight or very close to top eight. Yeah. Um, Like, if, if it had had more pilots. I don't think there would be any question whether it was like one of the better decks in the format. Mm. But I think just the sheer lack of pilots makes it sort of a bit more disguised in that <clears throat> discussion. I guess it's similar to like FAMS in that way. Like FAMS obviously generally gets low pilots yeah. and generally high representation for the most mm. part and has done for, I would like to say, for the past three years easily. Like you, you get consistently one fans in the top 16 and you've only got four yeah. pilots and it's kind of it's it's similar vein i guess low pilots and high results mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to yeah. see what whether the same like we'd have to obviously check over whether the same pilots or the same few pilots over the past few weekends it's one thing that we definitely should should look at to see if that is the case because it to see if it's a pilot thing or if it's just the deck performing yeah but yeah i think it sort of in a similar vein when you're talking about like how well positioned decks are and how how they relate to each other um i think that the results that mono blue is putting up again just consistently week after week and has the representation Mm. um it just seems like by far the best deck in the format at the moment yeah um affinity and, and mono red definitely seem to have dropped back um, from competing for that slot, in, in my opinion. Mm. I could see that. And I also think, though, it might not be the case. Like, it would be interesting to see if the mass representation of Red was went back to being called author and just ignored Ren's Resolved exist- existence. Yeah. Or maybe even just put it in the flex slots that were in called author before uh, March of the Machines and stuff like that and see how that would impact mm. it because may- maybe people are just blinded on Ren's Resolve more than yeah I can see that that's possible because it, yeah, it just isn't putting up the results anymore that we had before Ren's mm. Resolve 
Yeah. And it would be interesting if maybe that effect is just eight is too many. Mm. Uh, um, and if people are struggling to to get round that. It could definitely be could definitely be a possibility like that yeah. that eight is definitely too many and especially for something like Cold Author or even uh, and you you put yourself in a position with the the pinger burn that it it just gets a bit lacklustre without the pingers. Yeah. So I could definitely yeah, see that. It's a cool, cool way to look at it, to be fair. Mm. Um, yeah, so obviously these results, Affinity is a bit more back to where we would expect. Mm-hmm. A couple of copies, both in the top eight. Um, gone, obviously gone from basically the Sunday, the Saturday challenge, showcase challenge, and hardly represented in the other, but back to back to double top eight. So, so it's definitely not gone. No, there'll be a, lo- a long time before that's gone, especially if yeah. nothing's happening, not changing. But um, I definitely a solid... It is a solid deck, and obviously the pilots are generally well-aversed with it now, and uh, and they're definitely there's a lot of variation as well, which I'm finding. I feel like the top two decks have just... They've got identity problems at the moment. The top two... What I would class as the top two decks, like the tier zero decks before... Marching machines, i.e. Affinity and Burn, or Affinity yeah. and Cold Offer, have definitely got a big identity problem at the moment. But they don't know how they look or where they sit. Um, and I don't really know why Affinity's got that issue, but unless it's just people just don't know what to f- like tune it for to verse or beat, or yeah. or if the Popageddon winning list, or not Popageddon winning list, but the Popageddon list that did really well also was a very off-the-wall that it kind of went, whoa, do we need to reassess how we build Affinity? And that's kind of just not settled down yet, or what it, what it is. It just definitely feels like it's got, they've both got identity issues at the moment. Yeah, I think a big thing with the Affinity is, like, when you look how different all these top eights look, mm. it's sort of quite awkward to, like, plan what your, what your Affinity deck is going to want to beat. Yeah. Um, obviously, the core's just ridiculously strong. So the flex slot slots give you that extra percentage in the games that you'd maybe struggle with. And mm. when the all the top eights in the field is that different, it's obviously really good for, for for content and for playing different decks. But if you're just trying to beat a set field of top decks, it's it's pretty awkward. Mm. Yeah, that that's definitely for sure. It's because I also think. There's a, obviously the the shell as you say is really strong, um, mm. so it is just finding that like where did where do you take it from there? And it's just it is a difficult one because obviously as you say, as you say all these are different, so it's just it it could be, but maybe they don't need to fight against anything. Like I I feel like older affinity didn't really I wouldn't say felt tuned to beat anything, but maybe everything was very beatable yeah. with the similar cards maybe at the time. Yeah, I could see that. So, maybe people are trying to get too fancy with it, or maybe it just isn't. I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I don't have the answers, but I definitely do feel like it's. Some it's different, and I can't put my finger on what it is. Mm. But yeah, I think the biggest take from that is both Mono Red and Affinity don't seem to have a solidified list anymore. Yeah, they went from basically being a a, a list like Mono Blue that that doesn't change. To every every list you see has different cards in. Yeah. Or is trying different numbers. Or is, is testing some sideboard cards in the main. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Definitely. 
I can see uh, Tron's definitely done quite well over the weekend. We obviously uh, Flickertron, that is, I guess I should specify. Mm. Uh, we obviously had one top one in the uh, Saturday showcase and one here. Again, which not many pilots usually yeah. as well. So I think that's the same here. It's There's very low representation, but just good results. Yeah. The deck, talking about putting uh, sideboard cards in your main deck, this is this is the king <laughs> deck for doing it. It's it's pretty much like 30 sideboard cards just in one with a bunch of teachings. So yeah, it's definitely a solid choice. Uh, I don't want to talk and bring too much attention to it because people might start playing it. And that's my opinion on that deck. That is the <laughs> most, the world's worst deck to play against on Modo. That is for sure. But it is a consistently, I'd say it's a, a, in an okay position. It's definitely in a position to fight affinity. It's definitely in a position to fight red. It's, mm in a reasonable position I would say to fight mono blue as well if you know exactly how to tackle these matchups and then it can yeah. it's quite well positioned at just doing its thing and doing it bigger and better than other decks to fight off the wall mm. decks and like other mm. mid-range decks so I can definitely I'm all for Tron in general being reasonable position because they did unban map and things like that to kind of at least keep it somewhat playable yeah and I like the random representation of different types of decks, but Flickertron or Magic Online with the clock seems to be doing reasonably well. Have you got any other comments on the, the results from Sunday? Or no. do you want to move on to your shout-outs? No, I've got no other comments. Um, I, I guess I'll just touch on the shout-out. won't like, go into it too much, but I would just like to shout-out Weber. Obviously, he uh, featured in, I believe it was the Saturday Challenge. He top eighted. Uh, yes, it was the Saturday challenge, and he was on Affinity, and he was previously in the. I think it was last week, so if not the week before, playing Terra, or like the top mm. sixteen. So, shout out to Weber, obviously, PF PFP member, just representing, definitely. Yeah, with different decks as well. So yeah. pretty fast now. The man definitely likes to brew as well, and he comes up with some absolutely wild <laughs> engines. And all sorts of different interactions. So I'm. Um, you can definitely see this man absolutely adores Pauper, and it shows his knowledge, top eight in him challenges, and also with the different brews he has on his. Uh, he puts out. So yeah, it is cool to see the the people sort of in charge of the decision making are actually playing in the yeah. challenges and and in leagues and and playing consistently. Yeah. Um, it's obviously a big confidence boost to. Every everyone who who plays the format that we're in a we're probably in a good position or at least the people in charge know what they're doing. Yes, definitely, definitely puts some sort of uh, backing into uh, whatever they say because obviously you do see him here in challenges fairly re like fairly consistently. So do you want to go to the move on to deck highlights? Yeah, yeah, fire away. So my first deck choice that I would like to highlight is for the Saturday challenge. And it is the tenth place familiars list, which is from GN forty two. Once again, he is here. He, uh, I, I just, it just felt right that we should at least highlight his deck. He's consistently shown in challenges, and with it being a little bit different to obviously the list that is, um, done, uh, done well with over the past few weekends. I think it was nice to highlight it, and also mm. I do believe. He is a regular listener to the podcast, 
So just say <laughs> hi while we're here. Um, but the deck's definitely interesting. It's different because it doesn't have a meeting of minds, which I believe he went from four at the first time he did really well to going down to two copies like the week after or the, the Sunday after or whatever it was. And he's now just completely gone from the list. Um, but I don't know if that, that could potentially be a nod to fear. So mm. I do believe that the deep analysis is generally the better option of draw spells against fear because obviously you can flashback it. You yeah. can usually cast it and flash it back in the same turn. So it's quite hard for them to keep up multiple counter spells to carry on, you know, while you still get your card advantage. Yeah. But Even then, still, though, I guess it's it's still only a one. Exactly, that was my analysis, next, yeah. that was my next point. So it's definitely a weird one that that overall the list is strange. Again, another thing I like to highlight is most of the time, as of recent history, anyways, uh, Seagate Oracle and uh, the Modern Age usually take up the same slot. It's usually mm. one or the other, but it seems to be more common now that they're running both. And I don't know mm. if they just found out they're just both good enough to run or if or what the reason is. If they just want to put stuff in the way for fear or for red or, or whatever the reason. I, I have no I have no idea. I'm not a familiar expert, but just noticing these differences is definitely interesting. I think it's it's quite cool as well to see obviously the last couple of times we've looked at his lists and mm. um, he's been trialing new cards. So obviously meeting the minds and the um the little one-two flash guy that gives hexproof. Oh, Cryptomancer. Cryptomancer. Um, and obviously those cards aren't present at all mm-hmm. in this. Um, so I'm assuming he's come to the conclusion that they weren't where he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just cool to see that process obviously play out um, in the results. Yeah. And then the other thing, I guess, to bring attention to is uh, don't, usually the run some amount of prohibits and like a counter spell just as a hard mm. counter because when you get the lock going you can obviously just keep flashing back a counter spell if you know what i mean and when the when the doubt is zero cards you can just ephemerate counter spell counter spell the card the draw rinse and repeat over and over and yep. lock you and kill you with a mold drifter but that seems to be obviously gone from the list and is running a remove soul instead which is another interesting choice mm. and only one prismatic strands as well in the entire 75 which again i'm sure i'm used to seeing at least two somewhere in the 75 like a 1-1 split or what have you which is definitely interesting yeah the the removed souls are cool when i guess depending on what you want them to counter it's a hard counter um if if you're obviously only fearing creatures it's it's solid and it obviously has the benefit of like like prohibit where off a familiar it only costs one or off a um, a Karoo, mm-hmm. you can cast it whereas counter spell you can't yeah um but it very much feels like a, a f- like meta game choice yeah for the counter spell yeah um, which is cool cool to see no definitely um I think if he had ran it in the showcase. It probably would have been the perfect card with all the terror knocking about. <laughs> yeah, that's... you pretty much just want that removed soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is definitely for sure. But um, after that, everything else looks fairly stock by the removed soul in the sideboard. Uh, everything's fairly stock in the side. I think by the looks of it, you, I'm not. Uh, I'm used to seeing some some number of all of these cards, as in 
two dust to dust, two last breaths, four hydroblasts, two revokes, a do uh, one dawnbringer, two negates, and a destroy evil. All are generally seen somewhere in the sideboard for familiars. Yeah. So, but yeah, definitely shout out to JN and changing it up with all sorts of different familiars lists. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, so for my pick, it's basically two decks. It's the the two Bogles decks that came eleventh and twelfth um, from uh, Las Vegas Chaos and Y Principe. Principe. Sure. <laughs> um, just the the very similar. Um, the main decks are basically plus plus or minus a ledge walker or a, a sentinel's eyes. Um, one's on two ledge walkers, one's on three, um, and one's on one eyes, one's on two. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it the deck just seems stupidly powerful at the moment. It just seems to get the results, um, despite the lack of representation. Um, and just it just seems to have the tools to basically plow through any deck in the format. Yeah, it's it's definitely a solid one. Um, I've got like I can't really looking at these lists as you say. The only difference is I can understand potentially the the uh, the change in the ledge walker, as mm -hmm. I do think it can obviously be it can be a liability sometimes being two mana, uh, being able to be blocked by fairies or core sky fishers. So it can, there's definitely places where it can be a bit weak. So I kind of do understand somewhat like the uh, the reason for taking out the ledge walking, but I guess you've got to put something else in. I guess eyes is probably the most the best thing to put in. I yeah, guess. It's, it's there's not much space other than either Sentinel's eyes or Cartouche really, because um, mm. every other already basically stacked on four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can see obviously. The one less creature is probably a bit more makes the mulligans a bit more awkward. Yeah, because you find those hands with only ten creatures, it's you can sometimes just not have any. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a deck that's doing really well at the moment, and I just felt it was it was definitely worth highlighting. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I do also like the in the eleventh place list the Las Vegas Chaos. I like the uh, the two Vitality Charms in the sideboard. The yeah. The brief, my brief playing of Bogles, I was a big fan of Vitality Charm. Just it does quite a lot for the deck, which I was quite surprised at. Yeah, I think that obviously for anyone who doesn't know what it does, it's a green mana instant um, that either puts a 1-1 a one -one green insect into play, um, gives a creature plus 1, plus 1 and trample or regenerates a beast. Um, the regenerate a beast isn't really relevant. It can regenerate um, a Bogle. I stand corrected. Apparently, Slippery Bogle is a beast. <laughs> yes, yeah, as, yeah, as I so, said, it does a lot yeah, for the yeah, deck. So all all mods are pretty relevant. Yeah, the one-one insect protects you against edicts. Um, yeah. The the trample is obviously huge. If if you don't have a a trampler, but you have a big guy with a couple of ethereal armors, yeah, and um, you can get him through. Um, and yeah, the beast regenerate a beast regenerates your Slippery Bogle. There you go. <laughs> but yeah. Um, it does a lot for the deck because obviously the the insect protects against edict while also being a if they tap out or whatever and you've got nothing on board it's like a surprise here's a one one suited yeah, up kill you yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it, and obviously as you say the trample is just an additional rancor or uh, armadillo cloak effect and then regenerate a beast comes up somewhat not not very often but it does come up <laughs> so definitely um, 
de- I definitely like like the uh, Bogles deck, and I think a lot of the innovation is in the sideboard at the moment. I think with the yeah de- different slots of whatever you want to verse. Yeah, obviously there's those two slots in the main, but they're they're just sort of neither here nor there really, and um, the rest of the mains are identical. Mm-hmm. Um, both with the Cave of Temptation, one Cave of Temptation, two Ash Barons. Um, and then, yeah, as you say, the, the sideboard, there's a lot of flex in the sideboard. Um, the the sideboards are very similar, but have different numbers. Um, some The 12th place has an extra Flare and Pain and an extra Standard Bearer instead of the two Vitality Charms. Um, whereas the 11th place also has a good shot um, in, instead of one Spirit Link. Yeah, so I guess... The good shot, I would guess, is more for Fear to push through a spell. And the guy that wanted more standard bearers was expecting mirrors or gates a lot more. Is... Yeah, what what I found when I was playing Bogles previously was the good shot was also a nice out to standard bearer in the mirror. <laughs> oh, oh, of course. Otherwise, you yeah. just lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, um, if, if you time it right, obviously. Yeah. Definitely solid. So yeah, if we move on to the showcase challenge decks. So the deck I've chosen, um, which luckily I got it in first, is uh, Poison Storm uh, that was 16th place by Rena. Um I've definitely chosen Teasdale's pick here. Yeah, you definitely have. <laughs> um, but it was just, yeah, the deck's too sweet not, for, not to mention. Um, we've both been following and brewing with the deck um, since obviously the, the cards came out in All Will Be One um, and obviously Callie's done loads with the deck as well yeah. um, this list in particular it just it just looked like a really clean list everything was basically maxed to four um, bar I think a one-off serrated arrows in the main um, which is just a nice sort of catch-all um answer um but yeah everything else was maxed to four um and three uh one of swamp one of forest and five islands for the basics mm. um which yeah with the the four thurston roots just makes your your mana base a lot more solid um obviously you've played this quite a bit and i know you had some trouble with the mana base so yeah hopefully something like this maybe helps that issue out yeah, I was playing like a the older lists. I would say like the blue black yeah, ones yeah. playing just the weather the storms really, and then. Yeah. But yeah, this this deck is sweet to start with, and I'm really happy that it's finally done reasonably well in a challenge. Well, a showcase challenge to sit as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maximizing out on four and what the decks seem to uh, the the I don't want to say the older list because there's no real like list definitely like being defined yet but what the list seemed to be doing previously was having a couple copies of uh, thurston roots and potentially like three prologues instead of four and yeah. then maybe even some amount of uh vivisurgeon inside so weren't maxing out on everything and then that created like four to six slots which a lot of them seem to have interaction either yeah. in form of serrated arrows or in forms of um, like bring the ending and stuff like yeah. a, a nightwood affliction. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember what's the name of the red um, threshold 
like rap. Oh, swelling sandstone. Swelling sandstone, that's the one. So, but this text just went absolutely, I am going to do my thing and I'm going to do it yeah. really consistently. And this deck is just absolutely a blast to play as well. It's even fun. It's even more fun to play in paper as well, which I can't say very is very true for a lot of decks, but it is definitely Wait. a blast. Yeah, it's just a, a very clean main deck. Um, the sideboard uh, has the interaction that obviously you you had in your main deck when you were playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, three bring the endings, three annoyance, couple more serrated arrows, three moments piece, and, and four hydroblasts. Can't so, leave again, them. A, a pretty compact sideboard. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of one odds. It's all fairly stable numbers, but yeah, just a, a sweet one to mention. Yeah, another thing that I am quite surprised at, and I don't know how, and it kind of brings on to the last point before I'm moving on, I guess, is the deck, I don't know how well this deck is going to do moving forward, because I do think Weather the Storm is a good answer for the general field. Like, it obviously does well against, like, Affinity, it stops them killing you. Mm. Um, Obviously, it's good against Burn, all that sort of stuff. But the deck's reasonably like it's pretty badly positioned against fear so mm. with how popular fear is in general i'm surprised how well it did from the get-go yeah. and i'm surprised obviously how it's gonna do moving forward but i think on a similar point if something like bogles picks up mm. bogles can just easily like one hit through a weather storm mm. like without without much consideration mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah i can, I can see that happening hopefully it doesn't because it's a sweet one to see but yeah yeah it's definitely a fun one it's even fun to play against i have no problems <laughs> with dying to this at all so definitely a sweet one and i'm happy at least one of us showcased it even if you know you did steal it from us or whatever but i'm, I'm not sorry it's all good um anything else to say about this sweet deck or no i'm happy to for you to move on to your replacement deck that's not poison stone yeah, I will move on to, unfo- <laughs> I don't want to say a worse deck by any stretch of the means, but it's definitely not as exciting to me. But it's, again, another similar shout-out. Uh, it is the 20th place deck from Selka, or Selkas. I used to call him Selka HS, and I don't know why, because I always think it's like someone's put Half-Stone on there. Half-Stone pro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, Selka uh, really popularised Corgate back when it was like very early on. It's like a, one of the original... Not the original pilot, but he definitely was popularising it back when like Turbo Initiative was a thing and all that sort of stuff. So I have seen this list quite a lot, and it's a fairly stock list from him. Mm. And he just keeps tearing up with it. Just he does really, really consistently, really, really well. Um, obviously, a lot of the gate decks you see, they'll put like Smash to Dust in, or they'll put other red cards like Bolt or whatever in the deck. But he's just rocking. He's playing the Red Splash. But it's like two fire and ice in the main, and then four red elemental blast in the side. And then he's after that, you're basically looking at a bunch of four ofs almost, like with a couple of shaven. Like he's got three dawnbringer clerics, three preordains, and then two yeah. spell pierce, two fire and ice. It's like a very clean looking list. Yeah, I think seeing a gate deck that is bold, bold enough to just go two colors when you've basically got all the fixing you want. Hmm. Um. Yeah, it's definitely a cool, cool way to do it. Um, 
yeah, just stacked on four as Aureus Guild Gate because yeah. he only needs the blue white. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, this the sideboard is is basically compacted to what it wants to be. There's three mm. dust to dust, four bebs, four rebs, three relics, and then I guess a one of flex dispel. Um, but it's obviously just aimed at the blue decks, affinity, the red decks, and graveyard. Yeah, and it, it, it definitely seems a, a fairly solid list. Like obviously you've got the four modern age with quite a lot of graveyard and like a fair bit of graveyard interaction with like obviously prismatic strands and sacred cat. Yeah. Um, not too much in terms of removal. Obviously you've got two fire or ice and then four journeys. But again, you don't. I guess you don't really need it when you're uh, you're bashing him with some squadron hawks. Yeah. But four prismatic strands, four sacred cat seems to be okay. I would guess fairly well positioned against the red decks and then you clean up with the rest yeah I get when you're bringing in four pebs as well um, mm. I don't think you have to worry as much obviously the two spell pierce now that um, the red decks are trying to run the four um, reckless and the four rends resolve mm. like the spell pierce is just really good against red at the moment yeah so yeah, definitely just a sweet one. Just want to obviously showcase Selka because he has been doing really well with this sort of deck. Um, he it's, he seems to stop picking it up when he gets bored of winning with it. Seems to be the consensus. <laughs> so I'm I'm quite glad he decided to pick it back up again because it is a sweet one. I do like Colgate and I, I like obviously the uh, the gate decks. Any any gate decks is a pretty decent one for sure. Do you want to move on to your choice? Yeah, yeah. Moving on to the Sunday challenge, we have basically chose the fourth place. I guess we could also talk about the fifth place, really, as well. But mainly the fourth yeah. place list um, of black white ephemerate. I really do like these sort of like black white initiative lists with vampire sovereigns and Goliath paladins and things. So it is basically it's fairly stock, I would say. It's running like fourth Raven Inspectors, the four Spirit Companions, the four Inspiring Overseers, three Core Skyfishers, which I think is fairly stock. As I, say, I don't know the ins and outs of this list, that of this archetype, um, and it's only running two Goliath Paladins, which really stood out to me. But then it's went up to four Vampire Sovereigns. Usually, they from memory they seem to be the other way around. Yeah, from from what I've seen, is it's generally four. Paladins and two sovereigns. Yeah. Um, but I do like the more heavier split on the sovereign. It seems seems like a cool way to go about it, especially mm. if you're expecting a lot of fear. Um, obviously the the flying gives you a blocker, and the initiative can be a bit of a liability against that deck. Yeah. Uh, it's also a good like finisher as well because you're running four ephemerates like these decks do. Yeah. It, it kills them fairly quickly. Like just. Attacking for three ephemerate and then the rebound is pretty, like quite a lot of damage. It's yeah, surprisingly yeah. amount of damage. Um, but yeah, the li the list is definitely a solid one. We have a interesting vendetta in the main, yeah. which again is another solid one. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool sort of answer in a deck where you run quite a lot of tapped lands. Mm. Just a one mana early answer. Um, obviously losing one life to a to a one combat mana cost or one toughness creature um, it, even I guess two two life if you're killing a swift spear is not that big of a deal um, and just being a 
not it obviously can't kill black creatures, but there's not a huge amount of black you want to kill. You don't really want to be dead vendetta and Gurmag anglers and taken seven. Mm. Um Yeah, it's a it's a cool sort of tech piece as a as the fifth hard removal spell. Yeah. Um, it seems to have got the a fourth copy of Chainers looking at this list to, to run the vendetta. Yeah. And I, I can uh, definitely, as you say, the tap land thing seems to be the real, like a real pro to playing it because obviously you go tap land, tap land, so you can easily cast it onto on two, yeah, and not lose much. It's a sort of <clears throat> card that reminds me of like the ghastly demise slot, um, but obviously early on ghastly Dem- demise is a lot harder to turn on, yeah, um, so yeah, this just seems pretty ideal at this for this format at the moment um, just slowing your opponent down for only one mana and then being able to establish both your mana base because you can play tap land into tap land and still have removal mm-hmm. and then just remove their guy end of turn and just play a creature as a yeah. follow up just seems pretty solid yeah definitely and it seems the deck seems pretty overall well positioned I would say whichever form of red they, it gets thrown at with obviously its life gain is predominantly in its lands with the scout baron two crossroads and three basilicas to return them along with you've obviously got the vampire sovereigns which we touched on earlier and then three copies of dawnbringer cleric with four yeah. ephemerate does actually end up adding up like yeah it's to... not the not the biggest deal to start killing bigger stuff late game if you need to hmm. so definitely a solid one and the the sideboard for itself looks fairly, I would say, as I would expect. It's not nothing too out the question. There's four Dust to Dust, four Revoke, two Relics, one Dawnbringer Cleric, one Arms of Adar, two Arashing Clerics, and one Celestial Flare. I guess the only thing I would consider there is the Celestial Flare over the fourth Chainer's Edict, personally. Yeah. But that's kind of the one that I wouldn't really expect. But I guess... When a deck like this is clogging up the board, like it does with Thrabens, Dawnbringers, Spirit Companions, and all that sort of stuff, like the Celestial Flare, I imagine gets, um, gets a lot more. You kind of want to look at it a bit more because obviously the Gates decks will just be attacking with their one big Gate. The Bogles players will just be attacking yeah. with their one big Bogle. So, yeah, even though they might have a guy back to protect against chainers they're probably not going to send in a 1-1 that's just going to get eaten by you exactly inspector. exactly yeah yeah so it's it's i can see the reasoning behind it and it's definitely a solid choice it, uh, it's definitely a sideboard that looks scared of affinity yeah that With is the uh, the four just to just and four revoke existence yeah and i can definitely see the four revokes and the one celestial flare it's definitely died to bogles a few times yeah yeah so that is for sure. I do like. I always do like these decks with the core skyfishers as well, running one omen of the dead, especially being black white, like black based. Yeah. Just being able to just go skyfisher, skyfisher, skyfisher. If you, every time you kill them, they just keep coming back. Yeah, it's it's surprising how good omen of the dead is with skyfisher. Mm. Like it, it doesn't sound that great. Or you can you can rebuy your guy and then play him and get it back and then rebuy a different guy. But mm. it just it does just add up. Um, it's basically sort of squadron hawk with skyfishers. Yeah, they just never they yeah. never run out. Yeah, definitely. 
But yeah, definitely a solid list. Um, I really do like the black white ephemera decks to see. I don't really, they're not really the funnest to play in my personal experience. Um, but I, I do like Vampire Sovereign and Ephemerate, so I um, thought I'd definitely highlight this deck because it is definitely a sweet one to see. Mm. And what is your last your choice for the Sunday deck? So my choice is uh, from a player that we basically covered similar list last week. Um, but I just thought his changes to the deck were interesting and were worth going over. Mm -hmm. um, so it's Luffy's, Luffy's mm -hmm. list, um, which is Affinity. But if you remember last week, he had stuff like um, Negate and Breath Weapons in the main. Um, he's completely moved away from that um, and gone towards a sort of more old school Affinity card in Somber Hoverguard. Um, which is a six mana, five and a blue um, for a three two flyer um, with affinity. Um, so it just seems like a pretty decent guy in a field full of fear. Um, it re like, I guess it replaces fro the frogmite slot, um, but has flying to block block all the one ones. So. Obviously, still tuning an affinity deck for the field, but this is a quite an interesting choice. Uh, eating eating fairies through prime barrows as well, um, and being able to hit a hit quite the fast clock seems like a, a solid solid option. Yeah, it's definitely a good choice. I really do like Somber Hoverguard. I was mm. um, I think we were joking about this, like obviously just talking generally that. We were saying like we we want affinity to bring back some some of a guard a few yeah. a few months back or something but and and now here he is Luffy has answered our prayers it but it, when you actually see it in a deck list it definitely looks a lot better because obviously as you say just be able, it's easily eats up a lot of fairies it's hard for them to deal with and it's not like being only effectively. Uh, sounds weird, but only one more mana than Frogmite in terms of the affinity side of things. Like you only yeah. need five artifacts as opposed to four, actually makes it relatively easy to to play. And does yeah, obviously you get the bonus off uh, Reckoner's Bargain as well. You get yeah. a six life instead of four that you'll be getting from Frogmite. Um, it's a lot faster clock than Frogmite. Yeah. Um, and can get through a lot more store boards yeah I, I had it um, come up with uh, recently in testing this Jeskai Affinity deck where mm. uh, one of the players was literally just Samba Hover Garden and disputing them and gaining six and as weird as it sounds gaining six was just obviously two to three more turns of me attacking with a yeah. cross guy for sure it's, is, I guess it's biggest downside is that it's not an artifact itself yeah um, but that also sort of functions as an upside because it can't get dust to dust in mm. so you've got a a threat that that is a decent threat that you can always um blood fountain back yeah because it's not getting exiled like your marine forces but yeah, yeah it, it was a cool cool sort of addition to the deck he's still got his nail spell bombs in the main uh the breath weapons and the gates are still there but they're just now in the sideboard um, the sideboard 
pretty pretty much what you'd expect. Eight blasts, four red, four blue, uh, an extra chainers, uh, an unexpected fangs, three negates, two breath weapons. I think as well, the another difference from his list last week is last week he didn't have makeshift munitions in the main, or possibly not at all in the seventy-five. I'm not hundred percent on that. Be an interesting yeah, thing it, to it is, turn it is that returned here. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, if he didn't have it in the list, I imagine it's a it's a card that generally just gives them the longevity to to kind of get through those final points of damages. Yeah. So it definitely seems free enough to include, but I do I, I do like the Somber Hover Garden. I, I do think it does the deck now, especially going towards as Luffy's built it with the going towards the spell bombs and away from the stars, yeah. and obviously going in more like most affinities do. They have like three blood fountains most of the time. You're not really having the issue with it not being an artifact and also having. Kenku yeah. and Gearseeker not being artifacts as well, like you're not really losing out that much. No, no, you have more than enough, really. Yeah. Um. Is um, yeah. is twenty lands stock as well? That's a, another thing. I I don't know how I haven't looked at lists in detail, but um, I I I, I think it's fairly stock. I'm not sure on the numbers. I believe the four seats probably have gone up. Like for the hover guard and the gear seekers, mm. um, but yeah, I, th- I think twenty lands is fairly stock from from what I remember. It's usually just the the furnaces, the seat, and the bolts that sort of tweak, mm-hmm. um, depending on on what you're running. Yeah, that's that's fair. But yeah, it was definitely a solid list overall. Um, obviously, Thoughtcast getting outshone as per usual in affinity yeah. nowadays. Which is a shame. Yeah. Divination is not as good as Ancestral Recall, clearly. No. Um, so do you want to move on to our recap from last week? That, yeah. Of what we predicted? Yeah, definitely. Um, so our first one was the Affinity Lists will follow Luffy's lead. Um, that is to say they'll be tuned more to the metagame and less from sort of a stock list. Mm. This one is a bit hard to tell because... There was really, really low representation of affinity, um, in all three challenges. So I'm I'm not a hundred percent on this one. Obviously, we've just spoken then about the addition of Somber Hover Guard, which is a cool, cool thing to see. But I don't think really we can tell if if they have changed to follow a more yeah version. Yeah, it is an interesting one because obviously they're not really. The tuned lists aren't really there because there's no real representation. And then also mm. Luffy's obviously changed his list to target a, almost a different meta game. So yeah. it's they are obviously Luffy is tuning his to beat the meta game, but others haven't really followed on from what his was pr- last week, and yeah. neither has himself. If you know what I mean, there is like yeah, so, yeah. like the lists like Hamuda's list which is in third place on the Sunday, followed suit somewhat with obviously having the Spell Bombs main um, and the Chainers main, that sort of thing. So, like, he's yeah. keeping some sort of, I'm going to tune it to beat a metagame instead of, like, having the Chromatic Stars and all that sort of stuff. But, but yeah, but it's back on, well, it has two stars in. 
Yeah. Um, and two rebukes instead of like the breath weapons and negates all of other other sort of more focused cards. Yeah. So. So yeah, I think that one's probably a hard one to tell. Yeah. At the moment. Um, but I'll maybe I might leave that in. For next week's recap and just look at that one again. Yeah. Um, and to fair. see if we can and get any more from it. Yeah. That is uh, this. Fair. The second one was the increase of black white. Um, which was one of yours, which definitely seems to be occurring from from what we were expecting on and what we were experiencing the last few weeks. Yeah, I think it. I think it was only like a, a couple of a couple of copies in the last last week's episode. There wasn't many, and it ended up obviously taking the win on the Sunday, I believe. But like yeah. now, as you can see, we have a thirteenth place, a seventeenth place, a nineteenth on the Saturday, and then two top eights. And the twenty seventh in the Sunday, and that's not, obviously not including anything that we can't see, like out of the uh, outside the top thirty two. Yeah, so I definitely think I didn't think it would put up as good of results as it did. That's for sure, because this and Gardens definitely had a fairly solid weekend. Um, yeah, the the double top eight, and then the top sixteen plus the almost top sixteen. Yeah, really really solid results. From a, a deck that was pretty low, obviously it got that win last week. But apart from that, there was not much of it about. Yeah, I think obviously this deck's kind of like floated in and out of existence for quite a while. Obviously, originally coming from like a Warplow kind of flicker deck. Mm. Obviously, it definitely has evolved from there. Um, but it's I think people who like this deck that like to play this sort of archetype, they just kind of sit and wait for it to put up a result, and it's kind of like. Oh, it's actually reasonably positioned now. Pick it back up because it is a solid one at the moment. I, I I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, our third expectation from last week was that Burn would start to solidify its list. Mm. Um, obviously, quite the opposite from that's happened from the the copies that are there. Um, obviously, low. Um, quality of results. There, mm-hmm. there was not in in any of the top eights i don't think um and pretty far from the top 16s but all the lists were different like they were playing forge chanter they were playing um playing breaker they were playing uh profit they were playing cold offer and burn and tree so that's just sort of <laughs> the exact opposite of what we expected yeah burn is still very much up in the air no one what knows what to play what numbers to play what version to play yeah, it's definitely went the other way because it kind of was going in one direction over the past few weeks. It was very much cold offers taking a downturn. There was a couple of cold authors mm. and there was a couple of uh, pinger burn in like the first chance that we we covered, and then it kind yeah. of stemmed away to being almost zero cold authors, like maybe one copy here and there. To then we were thinking the next one I think was it was all pinger burn. There was like with the odd yeah. I think that burn and tree as. I guess as like a one of, and then we expected it to solidify from there because that was kind of how it was trending, and then it just went completely the opposite and just took a back turn, mm. which is interesting. And and not put put any results up to boot. Yeah. Um, which is another sort of unexpected. Um, if you'd asked me to bet on the results, I would have I would have guessed there was probably a burn in the top sixteen of every challenge this week, and there mm. was none. 
and you gained an extra challenge to bet on as well and you just didn't yeah, happen exactly. yeah yeah <laughs> but... um so that one didn't play out very well um our final expectation from last week was that tron would see an uptick yeah which sort of happened sort of didn't i guess yeah it kind of stayed very similar i guess but i guess it kind of looks like it's took an uptick in terms of it done reasonably well like yeah. it has been but obviously there's been an extra challenge where it's also done reasonably well so it kind of looks like it's do you know what I mean? I would kind of say it hasn't. It's kind of done the same. It's just been a good pilot or a good couple of pilots and they've kind of just taken people yeah. out of harmony. Obviously, in the showcase, there was a sixth place and a 15th place. Mm. Uh, and on the Sunday, there was a fifth place. Yeah. So, yeah, decent results. Um, Arklid 21 continuing to, yeah. to gra- do that trunk grind and, yeah. and putting up results most weeks. Clearly, there's um, nothing better to do but click, 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 yeah. click, click. <laughs> yeah, not not really an increase in pilots, but just an increase in uh, visible, decent results. Yeah, so I definitely say it wasn't really an uptick as such, but it was definitely still continues to do as it was doing. Uh, uh, and then now for our expectations of how Pop will shake out for next week. Um, my first one that is hopefully the the sheer diversity that we've got from these three top eights will continue um it feels to me it feels like we've got one deck that's very much above everything else in mono blue Mm. um but it does seem like there's a lot of decks on just that step below all fighting it out yeah which is a really cool place to see the format it obviously would be better if mono blue was brought back down into line with everything else um but yeah the, the as you can see from the diversity of the top eights it's it's definitely not in a bad place yeah no i'll definitely agree with that and i think previously as well we're obviously having i would like to say two decks that were on that top pedestal being affinity and red like yeah. you still had a huge number of just that step below and if not the step below that quite a lot of diverse decks um and i think the good thing is about mono blue affinity and red which may not be so like a good opinion for a lot of people i guess is that they are very targetable yeah you know if you if you want to make sure you can beat red yes you can probably dedicate about 10 sideboard slots and you'll probably beat red and same is true for pretty much any of these decks yeah i think that in itself may be one of the reasons why red has been doing so bad in this week in particular like you look at the the top thirty twos and every other deck has four or five or six hydroblasts in its sideboard, um. But swinging the other way, because the mono red representation was so poor in these three, um, people might start to take those out as they're not really as needed. Like there's nothing else you're fighting against with hydroblasts and and blue elemental blasts, and um, there's mono red and and that's basically it. Yeah, pretty much. Apart, yeah, you've you've got the odd red elemental blast you're trying to counter, but you're yeah. not really doing anything else with that. So yeah, I can I can definitely see those numbers coming down mm. and then making way for when the mono red list sort of decides what it wants to be doing for that deck to come back a bit more. Yeah, I can definitely like it makes sense that it's more susceptible to to like hydro and beb as well 
like, as just, as I've said quite a few times in this this episode, is that um, Kessie Flame Breather is just like you. It makes if you answer that Flame Breather, it just makes the deck not fall apart, but look less menacing. Yeah. Like hitting Bolt Bolt isn't as scary when you're taking three as opposed to four, or yeah. hitting that Lava Dart just is just anemic. You know what I mean? You're yeah. sack you're sacking them out to deal two. Yeah, rather than uh, four four for one mana. Yeah. So I can definitely I can definitely see it. But then again, that also makes me think why all the black decks are also really good and like are getting a better position now because the Chainers Edict gets much better against Pingastorm. Yeah. yeah. True. Every single creature you want to chain as edict, like you wouldn't be upset if you hit a swift spear, you wouldn't be upset if you hit a thermo, you wouldn't be upset if you hit yeah. a flame breather, and there's no yeah, epicures yeah. either, from in most lists. Yeah, for for champ. So, I can definitely see why that's definitely like black base mid range decks with chain as edict have definitely taken up taken. Mm. Can definitely see that. But hope I do agree. I hope the diversity definitely continues because it is nice to see all sorts yeah, it's of. Yeah, very decks. good to see. What is your first prediction for next week? I like I like <laughs> to go. You know I like to go off the wall. So, my prediction is black white pestilence. Not even pestilence will appear as a copy of a card. I'm talking the archetype. Black white pestilence will make a top thirty two appearance in one of the challenges. <laughs> Just a, how have we got how have we got there? <laughs> well, to be fair, the re- the reason is is what I th- I'm thinking. Is the black decks or the black based mid range decks are reasonably well positioned? You've obviously got gardens, you've got black white ephemerates. You're like they're all reasonably well because Chainers is doing yeah. well. The tap lands with life gain are doing okay. Um, they're also really good because they've got quite a lot of high mana costs, so it makes fear a bit worse. So they can't really. Yeah. So you, it's hard, It's much harder for them to counter two Goliath Paladins or two Avenging Hunters or. A vampire sovereign and a guy filed in for consecutive turns. Yeah. So then my next leap is <laughs> the best way for black white ephemerate to beat black white ephemerate is go bigger. And pestilence gives you that inevitability to go bigger. It is a win yeah. con. That's my logic. There you go. Mike drop. Definitely an interested take. <laughs> I'm not holding out much hope, but no. I'm making I'm making one leap. And then I'm making another leap, and then I'm getting two completely different answers, and that that answer is pestilence. I honestly can't remember the last time I seen a pestilence deck. Never mind in in an event, just in in general. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it would be interesting to see. But I just, as you say, I, I wouldn't hold that much hope either. I, I wouldn't bet on it. I definitely wouldn't take any bets on it. But that that's yeah. what I'm going for. And also, there's a lot of decks with like main deck Dombrio cleric too. So it's like not like it's yeah. it's you, you. So you've immediately got an answer for your pestilence. <laughs> you're not even like you're not even bored for it. But that's all I'm saying. It was it was either that or tortured existence, and I thought I thought tortured yeah. existence was a bit too far. You save that one for next week. <laughs> um, so what's yours? My my next one is less exciting, and it's sort of something we we did touch on in in that first prediction. Um, is that the format will shift more towards hit and mono blue mm. and sort of back off on the hit and the, the mono red with yeah. the, the reduction of hydroblast mm-hmm. um, and the increase in, in sort of the standard cards you have to hit mono blue like the breath weapons and 
uh, pyroblasts and such. Yeah. Um, basically, just if you look at the results, it doesn't really look like it makes much sense to be playing hydros and and bebs. Um, whereas there's loads of terror, so the pyroblasts get better. There's also loads of mono blue, so you've got double double duty on your pyroblasts. Um, and and the cards that also hit on fear are decent against. So if you're playing like electric, you're obviously good against bogles and such as well. Mm. Um, so those the cards that hit that deck just seem a lot better positioned at the moment than the just the hydroblasts that are essentially doing nothing most games. Yeah, it seems hard to justify eight hydroblast effects against yeah. a deck that's clearly not not this week especially. And not really on last week on Sunday either has mm. put that many results. So it definitely seems to seems to think like why are you justifying all these sideboard slots? Yeah, especially when you go like four plus. It, yeah, it, it doesn't seem to make much sense now. Now we have this mm. information from these three challenges. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see if that does pay off. Um. But I think if it was me playing in the challenge next week, I probably would have hardly any mono red here. Um, you can still pack Hydroblast, but I'd probably be on two or three. I would, I would guess. I think, yeah, I think it depends on the deck. To be fair, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think you can justify toning down potentially a little bit. Yeah. So that, that is for sure, especially if it's in favour for mono blue sideboard slots. That's for yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, my last one's kind of, kind of similar. To be fair, in some way, but it's more on the mono blue side of things. I think mono blue, as we've seen a little bit in some of these lists, some of these lists have started to run like spire golem and such. So they'll become a bit more, like less copy and paste. There's the odd list here with like one copy of spire golem or, or all that sort of stuff or two here and there, and I just think. They're going to move away from the copy and paste that we've seen where basically the 75 is the exact same. Um, you've seen a lot of people testing in leagues with like Cryptomancer, Small Crowd, putting Force Spike back in. That's the Stompy Special. That is for sure. <laughs> um, and obviously, Spire Gorm's really good at the moment when obviously... You're frozen again, Tastel. Yeah, you're back now. So... You said, you said Stompy Special and then you're us. So... I think going back to Spire Golem, um, now that Galv Blast sort of like down take on, so it's been an actual reasonable threat. Um, and having stuff in the sideboard like Echo and Truth and like Curfew, I guess, for Bogles, instead of the normal 75 that we've had of like eight Hydra Blasts and seven Affinity, like a Nulls or whatever yeah. it was, um, I think it's probably the best idea because you can then now tune your deck to beat the hit that you're expecting and also target something else because affinity is on the down tick you're gonna want to fight the mirror more so like potentially even like stuff like gut shot um, i think that's where the spire golems probably come in pretty yeah. clutch yeah um i think the the dissonance list from sunday um showcases this pretty well in the main deck it doesn't really follow it in the sideboard as it's got the the six Six and null effects, six blast effects. Mm. Um, but in his main deck, he's got no brine barrows, and instead he's got four spire golems. Yeah. Obviously, really, really, really good in the mirror. Um, and he's cut the snaps as well for four bind the monsters. Yeah. 
so it's just a, a very obviously not very different but a different enough take on the monoglyph playlist that makes it quite interesting yeah well uh, I, I have a good authority that Stumpy has told me that buying the monster is very good in the mirror so yeah, definitely definitely not in for a nod for the mirror with the four spiegel and four bind so yeah you don't want to really be giving them back their uh the ninjas and the, the fairy seers <laughs> so definitely a solid one and also like the sideboard it's still it's still slightly interesting you've got like a viridian yeah. longbow right which is a bit off the wall for me but i don't know how i guess that, that again in, in the mirror if you can resolve it it's probably yeah, yeah. pretty gas yeah um if you can yeah get it on on one of your guys in the mirror and go town yeah so i can definitely see them they're just adapting somewhat it might even next week it might be something that we not don't we like revisit not just next week but the week after yeah. um depending on obviously how your mono red shift the hate between sh- shifting the hate turns so like i can definitely see that being the case that these two sort of kind of slowly move, uh, slowly move away from it. So we'll uh, we'll definitely see how it goes because I think Mono Blue is definitely the deck to beat for sure. Oh yeah, yeah sure. definitely. Mint, is that it for today? That is it for this episode. You got anything else? No. No, I'm good. So guys, this has been Cast and Commons. We are the place to be whenever you want <laughs> to hear. Anything popper laid, that is for sure. So we'll see you guys next time. And don't forget, stay hydrated. See ya.